Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records around the globe. And then, as we always do, we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we are dominating the podcast space on a daily basis. Are we allowed to talk about our download uh, stats? No, 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 no. I don't (laughs) want to give any other podcasts any indication as to how how much of a juggernaut we actually are. But we're very happy with our our numbers. I want to thank all the listeners and uh, keep uh, rating and reviewing and recommending us, please, because we are building up quite a lot of, uh, you know, attention here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, Tony, we couldn't do this show without our presenting sponsor, Municipal Solutions. Uh, our good friend, John Mutton, who I should point out, I think we've done this before, but has the most listened to show out of all our episodes. Yes. So John Mutton is the king of the mountain right now. He is, but uh, there are, are others nipping at his heels. And But we do want to thank Municipal Solutions for their sponsorship. And uh, they have so many great uh, products and services, whether it's business development or market analysis. Maybe you need market analysis, Jody, who knows? Uh, Energy, infrastructure, strategic planning, stakeholder, government relations, public policy developments. It's all in one place at municipalsolutions.ca. Also got to give a shout out to Lord and Lady Coffee, another one of our great sponsors. You can find them online at lordandlady.ca. Two wonderful fresh roast coffees available to ship anywhere in Canada. We have a medium roast called The One, and we have an unbelievable dark roast called Midnight Voyage. Spend over 40 bucks, and shipping is free. Lordandlady.ca. And funny story, I got to tell this quickly before we get to our guest, Tony. Yeah. I had this... This guy call me who's a coffee importer from El or he's he's originally from El Salvador or something, listens to the program all the time and heard about the coffee. Ah. And so anyway, we're connecting with him to look at maybe bringing in some of his beans. And then I come to find out the kid's only like 16 years old. Oh, my word. Yeah, he's amazing. Entrepreneur. Uh, Matthias, I think, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. It's, it looked like Matthias Sauerbrei. Or sour not, not, not little one like the original. No, 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 no. It's Matthias. Man. I think it's Matthias Sourbray, but the kid obviously is is going places. And I was trying to remember what I was doing when I was sixteen, and it was nowhere near importing coffee as my own business. So it's it's like that eleven year old Wyatt Sharp who had me on his own podcast. Remember that earlier this week? Yes, yes, so I did. I, I saw a clip of that. You know, I saw so a clip of that. All Why I was I left out of that? I don't know. He just approached me, and I thought, yeah, well, sure. damage. Damage has been done. <laughs> putting that out there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's get to our guest. Yes. We got a busy show today. Lots to talk about, and I'll let you uh, do the introduction. Yes, uh, certainly. Let's give a warm and another thing podcast welcome to Candace Bergen, who's a member of Parliament for Portage Lisgar, which is in the lovely province of Manitoba, and she is deputy leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. So obviously, Erin O'Toole is a leader. She is the deputy leader. Candace Bergen, welcome to our program. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jody. Great to be on all this yes. uh, all this talk of coffee. I'm uh, I'm a huge uh, coffee lover. I drink it black, so you know that means I'm a pure coffee lover. And I'm just wondering, is it okay? I'm drinking it from a cup, a mug that says "Make Trudeau a Drama Teacher Again." <laughs> uh, now, 
Now, I have huge respect, just so you know, I have huge respect for school teachers. Teachers uh, are, are in my family. My, my new husband uh, is a retired teacher. And my ex-husband, who I have a great relationship with, is a, a, an administrator, a teacher. So uh-huh. huge respect for teachers. But it's okay that I'm, uh, I'm drinking from a, a red cup that says make Trudeau a drama teacher again. No, yeah, that's that's it's, fine. It's okay on our program, certainly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and Candace, I do need some assurance though that you're going to go to Lord and Lady.ca and we'll uh, ship you a couple bags. I, I need I need to hey, know that. Yes, I'd love to. We, uh, Michael and I, my husband and I, both love coffee. So, so uh, since you mentioned Michael, uh, I'm going to start maybe with a little bit of a softball question, but I, I'm I'm interested because you got married uh, in October to Michael. What was it like having a, a COVID wedding in October? Well, it was just before things um, really shut down. In Manitoba, we had different areas that I think Salt Lake Ontario. So different areas were red while other areas were orange. And so my riding was still orange. Part of my riding was still orange. And we had been planning the wedding for October 11th, Thanksgiving Sunday. And we were actually going to get married at the legislature uh, in, in Winnipeg. And then it went to code red, mm-hmm. which meant it wasn't quite code red. We could have had 10 people at our wedding and we were just having our immediate family, but that meant 11 people. So, I mean, how, how do you tell one of your kids uh, or their, their partners, sorry, you can't come to the wedding. So we ended up, it worked out beautifully. We actually got married in a little the little town I grew up in, in Morton, Manitoba, which still was in Code Orange or where we could have had, I believe it would have been 25 people or something to that extent. Um, but we had 11, 11 people at the wedding. Uh, it was at a beautiful little bed and breakfast called Bella's Castle. It was a Thanksgiving Sunday, 24 degrees, if you can believe it. Wow. And not cloudy so great for photos just a beautiful day and it was a beautiful little wedding and we couldn't have been happier oh well congratulations that's lovely you know and did you meet michael in politics no no we met just through uh through friends he as he was a teacher he retired about a year and a half ago right and um so he's really gotten to the political world though and his eyes have really been open <laughs> he has yeah. he has seen you know he, though i think the media bias is the thing that has surprised him the most because he would have been one of these guys who would just kind of turn on the cbc and believe whatever they say and now that he's uh, been part of campaigning, helping me on, on elections, seeing uh, leadership races, etc. You know, it's it, it's good for me, though. Like, I really appreciate his perspective and kind of hearing from people who are not involved in politics. And um, so, you know, it's it's been really good. Hey, I got to ask you then, uh, uh, I'm going to flip around my questions a little bit, because I do want to ask you about media bias, cancel culture, as it's called. We've seen that in so many instances uh, you know, kind of bleeding from the United States up to Canada, almost as if people want to fight a proxy war and import U.S. politics and their feelings about Donald Trump, as an example, to the Canadian political agenda. So how how hard is it for Canadian conservatives to have a separate identity from all the U.S. politics? And how do you fight that cancel culture? Well, you know, Tony, I mean, that is uh, that is the, the question of, of the day, um, especially with what's what's gone on and, and what's happened in the U.S. just over the last week. I think, first of all, we have to be we have to just recognize that this is the liberal uh, agenda. This is this is Trudeau and liberals agenda 
to import problems in the U.S. up to Canada. And they've done it before with other issues, whether it's firearms issues. They like to import that into Canada and then use it to their advantage. And so there is absolutely no doubt, and I think Ibbotson wrote about it today uh, in the Globe and Mail, that um, that's what the Liberals are going to do. They're going to try to label Conservatives in Canada as as Trump supporters. And, you know, they're going to take any opportunity they can. So, first of all, we have to be very much aware of it. And then also know that the media will help, most of the media, not all of them, but much, most of the media will help. And the media is looking for, for clickbait, so they're going to be uh, helping with that because it gets clicks. I mean, we're seeing the CBC, the majority of their coverage is U.S. politics. So if they can uh, try to include conservatives and bring conservatives down a notch in that, they'll do it. You know, having said that, I think what that means is then as conservatives, we can't let it paralyze us from being conservative and talking about conservative policy, talking about our, our conservative ideas, and then just be very clear that we are, and I think Aaron has done such a good job of showing what a principled, compassionate, kind leader he is, which is, I think, the exact opposite of Trump. You know, Trump used the bias of the media. Trump used um, some of the, um, the, 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 the things that the left does almost as an excuse to be a mean vindictive, uh, uncaring leader. And I I think Aaron has done the exact opposite. And instead of using the media bias or uh, as an excuse uh, to be really frustrated, it is very frustrating, Tony and and Jody. Like, I'll tell you, that's probably one of the toughest things about politics is the double standard in Canada and how the media will go so hard after conservatives and then ignore liberals. But Aaron's message is Canadians deserve a compassionate, ethical, professional government. And that's what we're showing them that we are. We care about jobs. We care about how are we going to get out of COVID? And, and then how are we going to re- restart our economy, which is going to be uh, you know, a huge issue in the next, uh, next, the short term and long term. So we just have to be, um, be consistent with who we are as conservatives and not let the liberals... Uh, and the media drag us down that rabbit hole. No, I, and I agree with you. And I, it, it was always frustrating to me uh, when I was a sitting MP that you, you'd go door knocking in the in your community, and all people wanted to talk about was Donald Trump. You know, uh, so it, it, you'd always try to try to edge back in and say, "Yeah, that's all very interesting, but you know, we do have some problems in Canada too." But uh, yeah. he he was such a colossus in terms of. Uh, uh, all of the media attention, it was it was hard to do. So, but I, I also find that as you get closer to an election, uh, people's minds do concentrate on the issues at hand, and that that leads to my next question, which is, you know, what what is the approach? What is the strategy? There could be a spring election, and an election could be two, three months away from now. So, uh, how does the Conservative Party, yourself, Aaron O'Toole, the caucus, the candidates, put their best foot forward? What what's going to what's going to be the focus of the campaign? Yeah, you're right. Uh, we're we're hearing. I think I just read this morning that uh, that Trudeau's told his board of directors that they're expecting a spring election. Um, you know, and again, there's no doubt Trudeau will want to go when it's to his best political advantage. Um, I, I I mean, it's going to depend how the vaccine rollout goes. I think that's even what the article says, but it makes sense. Which right now, I know I just talked to uh, talked to some 
folks I know in the province here in Manitoba and uh, and elsewhere. And and it's the vaccine is a big problem. We we are not getting the vaccines that we need, and healthcare workers are are lining up trying to get it. They can't get it because we don't have enough. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think that Canadians and what we believe as conservatives uh, that we need to do is focus on the economy and how do we like the economy, Tony? You, the, the economy was a problem in Canada before COVID. Uh, you know, you will recall projects being shut down, um, you know, big companies saying leaving Canada. Uh, we could not get a yes in Canada to get big, important projects built. Jobs were leaving, investment was leaving. And so with COVID, if that policy that the Liberals had started pre-COVID, if that policy continues of uh, anti-development, um, anti, um, anti-business, anti-small business, if that continues, uh, combined with this massive deficit that we're dealing with, $400 billion, 400 billion, yeah, I almost get uh, yeah. lost with the numbers sometimes. This massive deficit, I think that the economy and getting the economy on track will be the top issue in, in the next election. And we have a strong plan for that, and it will be talking about that, explaining it, and uh, making sure Canadians know that we also, as Conservatives, have, have a compassionate side. We are... Uh, we are caring. We believe in a hand up. We believe in providing, you know, what I like to call a trampoline as opposed to a safety net for people who need help. Let's give people that trampoline, that support that will then propel them to be- better and, and greater things. And so we, we can talk about that. And, and Aaron is, uh, is the guy to do it. And, and he's, he's really leading us in that direction. Um, do you have, obviously, uh, uh, Aaron is the leader and he's got his priorities. Do you try to dovetail as to what you're doing as deputy leader? Uh, what, what, what's the functionality of that? What do you do as deputy leader? Yeah, well, I do. I would say he's probably, uh, you know, he's a, he's one of the most strategic people that I've I've had the privilege of working with. So when he asked me to get to be deputy leader, you know, obviously um, I'm a sounding board. He and I talk often strategy just around uh, you know what we're doing. Um, caucus, as you know, caucus is such an important part of uh, of what we do and and how we move forward. But then he's asked me to do some things, uh, reaching out to to women, uh, women entrepreneurs, women uh, who maybe haven't typically seen themselves in our party. And uh, we've already, you know, done a lot of work. People like Lisa Raitt has done, she's done a lot of work on that. You know, Ronna Ambrose has done a lot of work on it. Uh, There are others in our movement who have done that. Rachel Harder, you know, a young MP from Alberta, she's done a lot of work on it. But I've been um, helping with that, reaching out to also to Western Canadians and making sure that they know that they're not uh, alienated uh, in the Conservative Party, that we hear them, that they are, um, they, we, I'm a Western Canadian, uh, are very important not only to to Canada, but to the Conservative Party. So there's some strategic things that he's asked me to do, obviously, when he can't be uh, at meetings or uh, do interviews, etc., I, I fill in for him. So uh, it's been good. It's been very different than House Leader. Um, right. That was your for, that was your former portfolio. Yes, exactly, and I did that through with Rana and Ambrose and also Andrew Shear. So deputy leader is different, but I'm I'm enjoying it, and it's it's great working with someone who has vision and discipline, and also is um, a very I, I think a very compassionate, caring individual who's 
showing Canadians uh, who he is in a very positive way. Jody, I'm going to let you jump in. I just have one more question and then maybe uh, leave it to Jody to have a turn. Uh, you know, uh, part of what you've got to do is to, is to keep Trudeau accountable uh, and his government accountable for their decisions, their COVID decisions, their economic decisions, what have you. But, of course, we're in such strange times where the power of parliament has been visibly reduced. How How tough is it to keep the government accountable and what do you do about it? You're right, Tony. And I mean, even just question period whereby we used to normally question period would be, you know, all the liberals were there, all the conservatives were in their seats. We'd be asking questions, you know, there'd be there'd be rigorous kind of debate. There'd be some high moments and some low moments for every side with the chamber, you know, a third full, you just don't have that dynamic. So we can ask questions, but you don't have the dynamic of really feeling like you're getting the pressure on, on the Liberals. We're, we're, we're doing, um, I think, a good job. And when Parliament is sitting, we've been able to, to do a lot in committees uh, and, and do a lot as well um, in, uh, in, in during question period. But it is very different, definitely, with COVID. So... Um, there's a couple of things that we've been, again, very strategic on. One is uh, when COVID first hit, we were adamant that committees had to, had to be able to, to return. The Liberals fought against that. They wanted emergency legislation passed with very little oversight or no oversight. And we saw what their attempt was initially, and that was a, a big power grab with their first emergency bill. So we have uh, we have some very smart people in our caucus, you know, people like Peter Polybear, uh, Michael Barrett, Shannon Stubbs, uh, very smart people who know the legislation, know their files, and whether it's that committee or then in question period, we are, uh, we're holding them to account. And then trying to use social media in a positive way and um, get our message out on social media and uh, just through media, through the, through the mechanisms that we have in the House of Commons, hold them to account. But you look at what they did with the WE scandal and right. how as that heat rose and as the, as, as, as the flames got closer to them, Trudeau threatened an election. Like that was, he, he knew that was going to be bad. And so he threatened an election and that's what they're doing. Anytime the heat gets to be too much. They threaten an election. And, and at the end of the day, they will decide when an election happens and they'll manufacture it or, uh, or force it to happen when, when they think, think the heat's getting too bad. That's when we'll know. Someone said to me, when Trudeau shaves off his beard, ah. <laughs> you know, you know, an election's coming. So I, I think when the heat uh, gets too, too hot for them, they'll, they'll try to force an election and then put, get that heat off and try to, as elections happen, they'll try to uh, frame the narrative to their advantage. And we're going to have to just be, be disciplined and positive and, uh, and, and show Canadians that we are a government in waiting. Jody. Yeah, Candace, one of the questions I had, I guess kind of dovetails nicely into the comments about the election. And that is our party itself, obviously the conservative party and how we, interact and deal with each other and maybe maybe you can shed some light on this maybe i'm a little off but it seems to me that as conservatives we do a pretty good job i'm being facetious a pretty good job of attacking each other within our own party and movement and i'm wondering how do we how do we stop that how do we because i i gotta tell you i mean i i'll use social media as an example i can't remember the last time i saw liberals or ndpers going at each other tooth and nail 
um, on different ideas and policies. And I'm, for some reason, we find ourselves in the midst of that all the time. Yeah, I know. I've been uh, I've been part of the conservative uh, movement and, and started as a volunteer working on campaigns, working in local EDAs. And I would say, you know, it, not a lot has changed because we are made up. We are a party that is truly made up of people with very strong uh, ideas, very strong and passionate ideas and thoughts. And we don't try to put people in a box. And so, you know, it, Trudeau likes the basic dictatorship of China. And I would suggest there's probably a bit of a dictatorship going on in his own party, whereby if you dissent, you are severely punished. And so that, you know, keeps, keeps some of that under wraps. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I guess, you know, depending on what kind of party you want to be a part of. Whereas the conservative movement... From the get-go, even under Stephen Harper, who was accused of being a dictator and all of that, and I found to be someone who very much listened to caucus and made decisions based on what caucus and his party wanted, and I think that's gone on through other leaders. We are a party made up of people with different ideas, and we allow that to happen. And so the good part of that is we have... Uh, interesting policy ideas. We have uh, true direct democracy in our party. We have policy that comes from the grassroots. But the negative part of that is conservatives, you're right, do do criticize each other. And we feel free to criticize each other. And so, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. And I'd rather be part of a conservative party and a group of strong-minded, independent-thinking people who want freedom and liberty and the ability to express that, I would rather be a part of that any day and then defend myself and maybe have to withstand some criticism than be part of a liberal uh, kind of elite top-down do as I say, not as I do, and don't criticize or you're going to be tossed out liberal liberal party. Yeah, and and I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I guess maybe what I'm seeing more of is it seems to be a movement where uh, I'll say MPs, just to use an example, MPs are being more, I don't want to say shameful, but the way they call out each other seems to be more negative. And I, I think there's a better way to do it. I think there's more tactful way of doing it instead of trying to embarrass people within our own party, regardless of how you feel about their opinion or their position. And I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And uh, I'd love to name some names because I, Tony knows I'd love to nothing more than to start calling people out myself, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't really help the process. But I just want to put that out there and just wanted to get your thoughts on it. So, yeah. And I'm right now, my mind's kind of trying, trying to piece together who and what you might be referring to. And I think I have some ideas and I think there's probably one or two um, that uh, would do that and then would get the, that attention. And I, I agree. It's, it's it's not helpful. Um, I I'd love to know um, who your political hero is. Huh. Well, you know, I would. Say, I mean, this is probably very. This is probably cliche, but it's just true. I mean, Margaret Thatcher, I think, is is somebody uh, yeah, historically and as a a woman conservative female conservative politician who is she's never she never focused on that. Uh, she's a real hero 
to me. She refused to ever, you know, be a victim. Oh, I'm a woman. Oh, I'm treated differently. Uh, and I, I really have always admired that about her. Um, so I would say that Margaret Thatcher certainly is somebody that I, I have admired. And um, especially as a female, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I just get so tired of this. You know, women are victims and poor us. Oh, we're, you know, this has happened or that has happened. Um, I just think that as, as women, we are, we are equal and sometimes we are treated differently, definitely, but we, we can deal with that on a one-off basis and set strong boundaries. All, you know, there's always things that we, we can do to make things better for women and for all of us. But I, I just really think Margaret Thatcher is, is someone who has set, set such a strong example um, as a female politician. But, I mean, on policy and what she did uh, in the conservative movement and for her country was very admirable. What uh, have you seen her portrayal in the in the latest season of The Crown? I sure have, yeah. And what do yeah. you think of Gillian Anderson's portrayal? I thought it was really good. I mean, at first, her, you know, the way she, her voice, I was like, that was, it was a little, it took me a little bit to get used to. But what, what I liked was the way they portrayed both the Queen and the Prime Minister as two strong women mm-hmm. that didn't always agree and even butted heads. But neither one was actually, they weren't, um, petty and, and they i thought they portrayed it was both women were portrayed in a very in a way that i i was quite uh how do i i i was inspired watching it i loved watching it i love margaret thatcher's quotes uh and then i loved the way the queen also responded to her and i thought it was it was done very well i know i've read somebody on on twitter didn't like it someone in our a conservative didn't like it Right. I didn't. I thought Margaret Thatcher was portrayed in a in a in a real way, and I thought it was good. I enjoyed I, it. I I was kind of relieved actually because I I was expecting you know Hollywood or what have you to to just ma- do a hatchet job. Like that, there are things about Margaret Thatcher that I disagreed with and uh, would have done differently. But uh, but I, I again I she's one of my political heroes as well. Uh, because of you know she had to swim upstream both in her own party and then you know in the change the mentality of her country which is never easy to do so uh, I, I I was relatively happy with their portrayal uh, warts and all and um, yeah that dynamic of two strong women on the screen it was it was unbelievable yeah you know what really struck me was again uh, you know and we don't have this in canadian politics but the instability imagine if you're the prime minister and your caucus they can turn on you and and remove you at any time you know that that just reminded me of wow um I, i'm sure glad we don't choose our leaders that way because you look at the uk and and how these leaders can be can be threatened from within so quickly. Oh yeah, and even worse in Australia, where they they seem to have a penchant for doing it every couple of years. Yes. So, exactly. so you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. So, I, I, Jody, do you have uh, any other questions for our great guest? No, well, I have to. Tony's going to be mad at me for asking this, <laughs> Candace, but I, I just have to ask, and I know you get it all the time. But how often do people ask you about the Murphy Brown show? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what? It's getting better. I mean, I grew up, like you got to remember, I grew up, Candace Bergen, the actress, was just getting famous just after, like maybe, I grew up, she was just becoming famous. So I, you know, I was like, oh, Candace Bergen, the actress, Candace Bergen. So I'm like, no, oh, that's my name. That's my name. Um, so I don't get it as much anymore. And 
I have to always try to chuckle about it, whereas actually it irritates the heck out of me <laughs> just because. <laughs> well, you can fill in the blank. Shame on you, Jody. But, Shame on you. I think it's a fair. I mean, look, I've never, I've never asked Candace personally this, and I was just like, I got it. I want to know, no. not because I was, I just wanted to know if you still get it a lot, because obviously you got it, which you did, and uh, I'm sure people think that they're probably like, oh. Did you know you have the same name? As- <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. I got on a plane. This actually wasn't long ago. I got on a plane. It wasn't in was- December, was it? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was when the House of Commons was sitting. I, I swear it was in November. Um, and a, this, the uh, flight attendant came up to me and she said, we're so excited. We have an actress on the flight. <laughs> I love that. And was like, I I looked at her and I said, because here, you know, I'm a woman, okay? So do you want to know what irritates me the most? I am not a 74-year-old actress. (laughs) Yes. Okay? (laughs) That's that's really what's irritating me the most. So I said to her, I said that. I said, well, uh, I'm I'm a political, I'm a a member of parliament or something. I said, I am not a 74-year-old actress. I said, oh, no, no, I'm, we're teasing, we're teasing. Would you like a glass of wine? <laughs> well, that that's far better than when I got confused with Joe Oliver all the time because he was 20 years older than I was. So there you go. Joe. Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I, get, uh, I get Terry Malefsky all the time. Do, oh, do you really? No, no. And I always just say, look at people, and I go, shocking revelation, Peter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to roll with it. Listen, uh, Candace Bergen, it's been, you've been a great sport. Thank you for joining us on And Another Thing podcast. Uh, you had some great, uh, great things to say and some important things to say. So it's great to have you as a guest. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, been good to be on your show, and, and good luck to you guys. Another excellent show, Tony. Good job. Congratulations, Jody. Yes. Congratulations. I did nothing on that one. Oh no, you were you were part of it. Come on. No, don't but honestly, what did you think about that Terry Malevsky impression? <laughs> you had me going there. Was, Shocking I a, revelations, Peter. That, that was good. I like that. I like that. I gotta Terry I gotta Malefsky. be honest. That comes from my good friend and your former colleague, uh Jeff Watson, who does a pretty good Terry Oh Malefsky. yeah. Yes. I could see Jeff doing yes. that for sure. Yeah, which we gotta get Former Jeff on MP. the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta get Jeff on the show. He'd be great. Um the other thing I was going to mention just uh, for interest sake is when I was talking to Candace about the, you know, naming names of conservatives that attack each other, I was talking about you, Tony Clement. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just terrible that way. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, she had some great points. I think she, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll be the first to say it. I don't, you might disagree um, that we definitely have an uphill battle if, if the election's called, uh, early this year, for sure. I, I, agree. I agree with that. I, but you know, I'll, uh, some of it hinges on vaccine, uh, uh, work, but, uh, no, I, I think it's always tough for conservatives and this, this year is no different. All right. Well, we have yeah. another seven days before another episode drops and uh, don't forget to subscribe and download and check out municipal solutions and Lord and lady coffee and all that jazz. And another thing, podcast.ca has all of our back podcast issues. We're still getting people listening to back episodes. So thank you for that. And thank you for being such a loyal audience. We really love having you along for the ride. All right, Tony, we'll talk to you soon. You bet.